Welcome everyone to the Nick's Infinite Playlist podcast, a show where we always talk about something because something's always on. I'm your host, Nick Hogan. With me this week is a very special returning guest, Mary Masasi. Hey guys. Reintroduce yourself to the people. So I'm Mary Masasi. Um, I work with Nick at Telltale TV. Um, And I don't know, when I'm not doing that, I'm teaching little babies and children how to be respectful humans. Awesome. Um, so we got a lot to talk about this week, so I will, uh, dive right in. First things first, um, recently we had, uh, network upfronts, which means that lots of shows have either been renewed or canceled over the last month. How did the cancellation bear treat you this year, Mary? Honestly, um, I wasn't that upset with any of the cancellations like um the ones that came along i was just like okay that <laughs> that sounds good to me like you know what i mean like yeah like i i know there are a lot of fans that are upset about like the good place ending and like shit's creek coming to an end and stuff like that but like my opinion is is that the creators were able to end them on their terms and that makes me happy as a fan so like when shows like that end, I'm like not upset because I'm like, all right, you got to end your show the way you want to end it. So good job. You know, that's great. Same thing with Lucifer. I'm like, you guys, it got saved once and now it's going to be ending again. But like they're getting a final season mm-hmm. to clear everything up. So I'm like, that works for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I relate to that. Um, you know, with iZombie and Supernatural and Arrow and um fuller house and lucifer i think i feel like that's happening more and more and that's because um i think people networks especially are recognizing that uh angry fans will leave them alone if they just give it a an ending (laughs) um (laughs) so you know i kind of relate to that in terms of the cancellation bear too like i i was a little disappointed by um ap bio and okay see i never got into that it was on my list to watch and so now i'm like well <laughs> uh it's it's really funny and it's only gotten better i think yeah um, so it's just it's just kind of a shame that it didn't catch on uh but i was like i mean ratings wise like it's an understandable decision and then yeah. uh, i was really starting to like abby's also on nbc um so both of those met their untimely end at about the same time and they're, uh, I think they're airing the what's left of those episodes over the next, it might be tonight, the night we're recording this. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, I wasn't, those are the two shows that stick out of my mind is like really upsetting about being canceled because everybody else seems like they're getting an ending. I guess um, Amazon also canceled The Tick and that's pretty upsetting to me because that's a fantastic show. Yeah. I'm not surprised because nobody was talking about it, but I think you were the first person that talked to me about it. And I was like, (laughs) I've never heard of this show. (laughs) Uh, I loved the original tick back when it aired in the nineties and uh, the cartoon tick that aired in the nineties. And so I was just really excited when they were rebooting it and I really loved it, but I'm weird. So (laughs) (laughs) it's fine. Um, I wanted to kind of expand and say something else uh, um, in line with the networks are starting to realize that angry fans are not a good thing. Right. Um, 
so I feel like Shameless kind of went that way um, this year. Um, recently, within the last couple months, they announced that, well, obviously Emmy left the show, and so fans were like, well, what's going to happen with the show? Because supposedly Cam left, and then Emmy left, and then they announced, well, actually Cameron's not leaving. He's coming back. <laughs> and... Um, and so fans were like, okay. And so a lot of fans were very angry. They're like, if you bring Cameron back, you have to bring back Mickey or Noel Fisher. And they did this big old like publicity stunt where they pretended like somebody had hacked the shameless Twitter and they wouldn't give it back unless Mickey came back. Well, then they used that as an attempt to tell the fans, guess what? Mickey's going to be a series regular this season. And it's like, okay. We're cool. Like, we're not upset with you anymore. Like, we're good. <laughs> like, things like that where I'm like, all right, it's great to know that the shows are finally realizing that their fans are what make them happen. Right. And it's, um, it's, I think all that fans really want is closure. Like, yeah. if you, even if you end things in such a way that it's all wrapped up, um, most people are, they're less upset about that kind of thing, you know? Definitely. Um, so I, I think that that's a valuable lesson and people are starting to pick up on that. Yep. But, um, to segue, one of those shows that has been given an ending is Supernatural. So since we talked about it last time you were on, I just kind of wanted to get your feelings on how the season wrapped up and what do you think's where do you think they're gonna go what's gonna happen next oh my god that finale man like (laughs) it was one of the best finales i've seen in a long time like i'm usually like with finales i'm like oh yeah parts that were really great but no the whole episode just like blew me away moment after moment and i was just very pleased with that finale like undo like god undoing it all because he's a vindictive little asshole i'm like yes (laughs) (laughs) spoiler alert sorry no i think that's i think um the statute of limitations in my mind is up on spoilers (laughs) yep so uh, if people are listening to this and going oh i haven't watched it yet they they don't care about it enough uh and that's just bold statement alert uh (laughs) so you're fine there uh, but I, I agree with you. I think that uh, it's probably going to set up the best possible ending. He, because Really because there are so many possibilities. You know, um, a lot of the hurt and heartbreak are from the show have been people losing their favorite characters, right? Right. So, and this like allows them to bring everybody back if they want to. Right. And so, you know, we could get... Bobby Singer from both Earths here, and you can get Adam. <laughs> yeah, well, as I say, I'm sure that they're gonna come to, like, they have to do that, right? He's the only loose end they haven't tied up. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so, it would be such I mean, a disservice to us that it could bring back Lucifer and the Leviathans, and you know, even the the ones the villains that weren't as good. But I mean, like, even this could be a way that Sterling K. Brown could return. This could be a way that Ty Olson could return as Benny. Like there's so many possibilities. You know who I'd really want to see is I would love to see yellow eyes again. Like that would be really cool. Like bring it back to the beginning. Like 
put like since they're undoing everything like why not bring that demon back he's the one that started this whole shit with them like that would be the coolest ending in my opinion absolutely um and just that you know there's a you could bring back jeffrey dean morgan again even though his recent return was pretty darn good um there's so so many possibilities that you could do um and that that's what i uh i'm really excited about it i also kind of like their sort of like i love when they do little like nods to the things that the actors from that show have done since then like i feel like the zombies was sort of a nod to jeffrey dean morgan and like <laughs> his walking dead and i'm like i'm cool with this like it's it's the meta stuff that i'm like all right i like when you guys go all meta because it's really funny and hysterical so the only thing that's like really far-fetched that I would really like to see out of this season of Supernatural is that their return to Scooby-Doo. That would be so good. It would be so cool. Scooby-Natural is one of my all-time favorite episodes of anything. And I've, I just loved it so much. So I really would love to see more of it. <laughs> but, you know, that's just me. I, I think that may be a little far-fetched. Even, even hoping for Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Sterling K. Brown is kind of far-fetched. Um, cool, yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know. My ultimate, ultimate thing that I really want to see by the end, though, is as awful as it is to say this, I want to see Sam and Dean die and, like, stay dead. Like, I feel like that would be the best way to end this. Just be like, all right, we're going to end your lives and actually, like, keep you dead this time. Yeah, I, I think that's the only way you end it. I think that they've fought the good fight for so long. Um, and that's they're, if they're still out there hunting, the show's still on. Right. Right. So the only way for them to end it is for them to die and perhaps to be with their parents in, in heaven. Right. right. Um, I just don't see that it's any other way. That um, would also be an opportunity for them to bring Jess like back into the picture too. Like, yeah, you know, Sam be back in heaven with Jess and like yeah, family that whole thing. Jess and Bobby and, and uh, all of their best family members they've met along the way. Hopefully uh, Jack and Castiel and just, you know, the, the extended Winchester family, if you will, would be sitting at the dinner table and that's, and you find out it's in heaven and that's the end of Supernatural. Yep. That's, it started with family. It should end with family. Right. And so that that's the whole thing is that they became these people because they lost their family. And so right. getting their family back would cause them to stop, in my opinion. Right. Even exactly. if it's in heaven, I think they'd be fine with that. Yep. So, yeah. Um, I guess we mostly pretty well agree on that that it gave us an exciting left turn when they wrapped it up um and there's a lot of possibilities and excitement surrounding season 15 the final season of supernatural yep i agree and i think they're gonna i do truly believe they're gonna give the fans exactly what they want like 
or at least close enough to perfect that we're like, you know, this is a really great ending. Mm -hmm. They've got 20 episodes to just write a love letter to fans. And I feel like that's plenty of time. Yep. I agree. So, um, okay. So moving on to a slightly more grounded supernatural television show. Um, CW is also ending iZombie and that is in the middle of its fifth season. Mm -hmm. So I know you just recently caught up um, and there's, there's an episode airing tonight, but if you haven't, since you haven't watched that one yet, are you caught up other than that? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I, I actually watched the um, last week's episode last night. Great. Um, yeah. So I actually really <laughs> liked last week's episode because Blaine's one of my favorite characters, so mm -hmm. I like that focus on him and, like, whether or not he's really a monster. Um, and so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, I agree. Uh, Blaine has always been kind of an enigma. And, you know, I always thought that arc with his memory loss arc was interesting because, you know, it suggests that he wanted to be good, but he was too far gone, right? Right. Yeah. So this it was an interesting character study on Blaine. Um and really I'm just I'm liking the, the way that the story's going and that the way that it's wrapping up. Um I still don't think any season tops season two of iZombie. But all told, it's been a good run, and season five has been a pretty strong group of episodes, in my opinion. I I agree because I kind of got the reason I got behind was because season four was kind of like eh to me. So like I had to trudge my way through it and it was just like, I don't really want to do this, but I was like, I need to get there because I do believe in this show. Like I believe that there's goodness somewhere in this season mm -hmm. and there were moments of it, but season four was rough. It was hard to get through. <laughs> Yeah, I think they got a little bogged down in their story. Um, mm -hmm. That was part of it. Fillmore Graves and the wall and everything. And I was just like... Yeah. And now I feel like they have a clear direction or it's... There's a... The stakes are higher because it's, you know, if we don't figure this out, uh, the government's going to blow up Seattle. So I think that season five just feels a little more urgent and they now that they've known for a while how much time they had left they're able to pace it out better too and also i think now that they know that there is a cure and like that it is possible there i feel like there's going to be some way that that's going to play into the ultimate ending of this show um but i don't know yeah yeah absolutely i think that uh I kind of, I suspect that, that anybody who wants to be cured is cured by the end or, you know, the mm -hmm. show started with Liv getting scratched and becoming a zombie. And so maybe it ends with Liv getting cured, right? Like she's last. That would be life. interesting. Um, I like her becoming renegade. Like that's been one of my favorite story arcs for her, to be honest, because I yeah. feel like that is her calling. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, where she's strongest. I mean, yes, she's good as like a coroner or whatever, you know, whatever, but, or medical examiner, whatever, but she's really, really good at protecting people and like saving them. 
mm-hmm. um, and making sure that they get to live the life that they want. Actually, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Um, I think I like that choice for her too. And I, I really think that season five has been about bringing things full circle. And so that's why I said that about maybe her being cured. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's also rumor has it that we'll see Liv's family this season. Oh, we haven't seen them since like what? Season, season one. Two? Or one? Early, early two. Early two. Yeah. And I really, I think that after the incident at the, whatever it was, the, it's been so long since I've watched season one. I know. Um, I forget. Like the shop or wherever. Yeah. Um, and her brother like saw it. And then yeah. haven't seen anybody since then. Um, I feel like just bringing, it's just bringing things full circle. And I got, I got a whiff of that when uh, major was hanging out with the kids at, at the renegade house. Yeah. Um, because he was a social worker. Remember? Yep, I love Major so much. <laughs> he's like he's my favorite. Fun um, story. So the reason I started watching this was because of um, God, I can't think of his name now. The guy that plays Major, Robert. Um, yeah, because he was on One Tree Hill, and I was like, I loved him on One Tree Hill, and I was like, <laughs> Oh, okay, I'm gonna like carry over and watch you on this, and like I just fell in love with him, and when he became a zombie and ate the teenage girl brain. Like that was one of my absolute <laughs> favorite episodes. Mine too. <laughs> because I was like, you play this a little too well. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would watch a whole spinoff show about him on teenage girl brain. Like <laughs> I would oh, too. <laughs> so and it's, it seems like, um, it seems like they just have a lot of fun on that set. Uh, oh yeah. Because I met, I met Malcolm Goodwin at Comic-Con one time. And he was just the nicest guy. And then um, at their, at one of their San Diego Comic-Con panels, I think it was 2016. um, I was there and they joked, they were doing a lot of joking when they were doing their panel. And they said, the only reason we haven't done a musical episode is two words, Robert Buckley. (laughs) (laughs) And, (laughs) <laughs> and he wasn't there. Like Robert Buckley was the only <laughs> cast member not there. Um, and, and so it was, it was really funny. Uh, but it's like, they just had this big joke about him not being able to sing. But there's that, it was right after that episode aired where he was singing along to the music and like digging that grave. Oh yeah. And they said, yeah, he really went for it. <laughs> like, well, um. like kind of uh, awkwardly. And it just seems like that cast has so much fun uh, and that Robert Buckley is a catalyst for a lot of that. Oh yeah. Well, I, um, the only one of the cast members that I've met is David Anders um, who plays, obviously plays Blaine. Um, I actually met him by chance. I went to um, a guy that I know was playing a character in a like totally immersive theater experience of Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. and I went to it and during intermission we all had to hang out in the lobby because they had to switch out the set and David Anders was standing like two feet from me and I like kind of like sidled over like as stealthily <laughs> as I could and I was like I love you on iZombie he's like shh I'm not here he's like because you could tell like he was here for the theater right. he wasn't here obviously yeah. to be um recognized or anything and I was like 
no, I was like, no big deal. I was like, I don't want anything from you. I just was wanting to tell you that like your character is my favorite. Like, I love you. You're fantastic. Keep doing great work on the show. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> like, and he was the very sweet guy, but like you could tell he was, you know, he was yeah. like, all right, I'm here to like live my life. Please don't right. like bring attention to me, which I respect that. Like I get it. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah. yeah, I was like fun little factoid there. <laughs> I, I had met, um, I was, I had finished a press room that I was doing at Comic-Con and, and iZombies was finishing up at the same time. And so, uh, Malcolm Goodwin was out in the hallway and he actually like, just was kind of like, Hey, what's up? And introduced himself to me. <laughs> um, and I was like, of course I knew, I know who you are. I'm a big fan. Right. So I like my Twitter profile is my Twitter avatar is a picture of me and Malcolm Goodwin still from Comic-Con a couple years ago. Oh yeah. 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 But uh, all of them seem like really nice people. And I have a, a friend who's met almost all of them. And he just said that they're wonderful. So. Uh, and it I really kinda... translates into the show. Like you yeah. can tell when a show and it's cast, like get along really well. And like, even though, yes, they're, like, telling a story that's been written out on paper, but, like, you can kind of tell from the chemistry between the characters and the actors and things like that. Like, it's obvious when they don't always mesh 100%. Mm -hmm. Like, you can kind of tell a little bit. Like, I don't know. And I can tell, like, iZombie, you can tell that these guys are all just, like, a bunch of friends, and they're like, hey, let's just go have fun and yeah. do this thing that we're supposed to call work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can tell that they're having so much fun, and that's, I think it, it makes it fun for me um, to watch it. Oh, yeah, definitely. So, before we move on, how do you think it's going to end? Um, uh... <laughs> Is it bad for me to be like, uh, I think they're going to blow up Seattle and just move on and go somewhere else? <laughs> I mean, that's valid. They could. Um, but no, in all fairness, I do think that they're going to be offered the opportunity to take the cure. And um, I feel like maybe the shipper heart in me that wants Major and live back together it says that they both take the cure and they're like, yeah, let's go live our happy little lives over this way, like away from it all, like get out of this again and like go back to what, how we were, not necessarily how they were, but like um, together again. And I, I, I'm kind of on the fence on whether or not Ravi will, uh, Ravi will do it, but like, he, cause he could or he couldn't like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's, I've always been on the fence about him. Cause I'm like, he likes zombies, but he also doesn't want to like, can never tell what he really wants because I feel like he sort of changes his mind every once in a while. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I do feel like Liv and Major will definitely take the cure if given the opportunity. I mean, Major's already tried a cure of some kind once, you know, like I wouldn't put it past him to do it again. Um, uh, the others, Blaine, I feel like Blaine would never do it. Because he's just like, I like my life as a zombie. I have power here. Like, um, but I don't know. Honestly, ultimately, I just want them to not be at war. Because I feel like even now, it's not really war, but it's a kind of a cold war. And it's like, I just want them to find happy and peace, you know? Yeah, absolutely. 
I, I think that's all um, very realistic. In my opinion, at least one character is going to die. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know if, if I'm hedging bets. Um, Blaine is up there. Uh, yeah. If, um, or, or Major or Liv, one of the two. Uh, and I think anything else would just be too I know. Like, like, in my brain, I know that one of those three have to die, but I'm like, <laughs> I love all three of them, so in my little, like, oasis of happiness in my brain, it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, mean, I would love for If any that. of them were to die as much as I love Blaine, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I was kind of thinking Blade either gets executed or somehow comes up with an opportunity to make himself a hero. Um, I mean, based on last week's episode, it kind of is pointing that direction. Like, either he's going to end up the victim of a, like, very impassioned, like, execution because of the mob of people that don't like him anymore, um, mm-hmm. or he could end up because of, he also, at the end of that, sold the girl that had the special cure inside her. I forget what that type of syndrome is. Yeah. Um, but he sold her to that guy and was like, oh, but you can't kill her in order to get it. You have to wait for her to die or the bets or the like deals off. So I'm like, in a way, he's kind of also being a good guy. So I'm like, all right, is he going to like, save the world or is he going to destroy it <laughs> but i feel like that's always the question right. with blaine kind of a wild card anyway um <laughs> yeah so I, I think that if blaine dies it'll be under one of those circumstances <clears throat> definitely and then and live in major it'll just be because they're you know one of them dies a hero to save the other or mm-hmm. um i, I kind of tend to think it would be major dying to save live but you know, I've been wrong before and it wouldn't be the first show to kill off its title character in the last episode. Um, no, it wouldn't be. So, <laughs> but I think that, uh, Ravi or Peyton or Clive would all be too tragic, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I was like, and they could very much kill, they could very well kill off Donnie too. And I wouldn't care about that. Uh, but I, I don't see that as consequential. I see Blaine or major or Liv. Or more. Right. The thing with Ravi or Peyton or Clive is that they're too simple. Like it's too simple of a death. Right. Like it would, yes, it'd be emotional, but like it wouldn't have any depth to it. So you're right. Like as much as we don't, may not want it, Liv or Major or Blaine have to be killed in some fashion. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, I think there's still ways that they could wrap up the story sufficiently <laughs> they all live, but I just don't think that I think in this kind of situation that the, it only sets the stakes at the right level. If somebody's life is threatened or somebody dies, and right. I, I mean, it could be, you know, they could all come together for a happy ending and that might be okay. But I don't know that this show is geared toward that. Definitely. And, and, the thing I like about iZombie, because I'm not big on zombie things. I'm really not. Like, I'm just like, okay, whatever. Usually, like, I tried watching Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. 
couldn't get into it really. And I'm like, but the thing I love about iZombie is that it's not about the zombies. It's about the people. And so like, I think for them to end the show in the most beautiful, satisfying way, they need to focus on the human part of it. Right. More than the zombie part. And that's definitely the best way to end it. Yeah. There, there are a lot of analogies to, to like, um, you know, to racism and classism and, and Mm -hmm. just like discrimination. Um, and I think that that's really the most important message there. And so that's part of why I think somebody's going to die. Yeah. Well, the the thing that you bring up, I like that you bring up the racism and the classism like aspects of it, because I feel like season five really is honing in on those um, analogies because I mean, for Christ's sake, there's a wall there's a freaking wall and like currently in our current politics, mm-hmm. our government wants to build a wall to keep certain people out. Right. And it's like this wall is keeping certain people in. Right. But it's kind of the same concept. Like you're looking at a specific class of people and you're saying, sorry, we don't want you stay there. <laughs> exactly. And it's getting, it's getting to the point where there are, you know, atrocities committed one side against the other, um, mm-hmm. and, and back and forth. And you know that I don't know the character's name, but it's the lady who plays Virginia Kremp on the Goldbergs and, uh, the yes. manager on Superstore. And she's just like a super secret villain who's smuggling in Alzheimer's brains. And, and it's just, you know, I feel like the- that's what makes the, the racial tension part of it real. Well, and the flip side of that is, um, I forget, I'm terrible with some of these character names and I feel bad about it because I love the show so much, but the coyote that got shot bringing the kids in, like, that's another, like, major, like, analogy to immigration and racism and things like that because people do smuggle other people in to certain places to get them there safely. And, like... I, I don't know, I like him dying for it. Like, that was very emotional. Like, I got really upset about that. And I was like, I don't understand why. I don't really care about this character that much. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but it was emotional because you realize how real it is. Exactly. It's, it's all, you know, it uses, what I love about this show is that it uses something ridiculous like a zombie disease to illustrate very real things. And it's, it's almost too real. Uh, the only part about it that's science fiction-y at all is zombie disease, right? Yep. And everything yep. else is, is um, a commentary on how the world would react to something like that. And so, I also like that, as opposed to other zombie shows where it's very obvious who the zombies are, this show is basically saying you can't judge someone by how they look because you could be best friends with a zombie and not even know it like Mm -hmm. I loved that about this show like it's like you said it's like bringing a human realistic story with a little bit of twist of zombie right and that uh that's always what I've liked about it I think and season five's just done a really good job of illustrating it So you got anything else that you want to, sh- to talk about regarding iZombie? Uh, we'll have you back on again in a month or so when it wraps up and we'll talk about it again. Um, not 
currently, besides continuing to gush about the fact that Major is one of the best characters ever. Um, <laughs> I'm and I really like him as like the director of Fillmore Graves. Like I don't know, like something about that. Like at first, I was like I don't know, but like I ended up liking it. Like I don't know, he's he's a good leader. I love him. Yeah, I think I think he's uh, he's fantastic. I've always liked his. Um, I just like how he relates to the other characters too. Uh, I've always liked his bromance with Ravi. Um, just so I just the good things are happening for Major is really good. Yes. Um, so hopefully he's not the one to bite it. But at the same time, if he does, it would be so poetically beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that any of those or more than one of those characters we named are prime real estate to kill off, but also like they could also be very impactful and meaningful if done correctly. So yep. I'm, I'm just kind of excited to see how they go about it. Oh yeah. And I can't wait to talk to you about it again once we've seen how they go about it. So. Exactly. So uh, we're, there's one that airs tonight and then just a few more after that. So yep. anyway, moving on. Uh, next, our segment called Infinite Playlist is a way for us to tell the world what we're consuming, why, and how to get in on it. So, Mary, what are you loving right now? Um, well, I'm still on the Shit's Creek <laughs> vendor thing. I mean, listen, I'm, it's coming up on um, the anniversary of my grandfather's passing, and so I've been in a really bad mental place, and this is just a show that's just so happy mm-hmm. um, that it you can't help but like get sucked up into it. But I also am loving the society on Netflix. I've watched it twice now. Um, It's where you're like, you know, run of the mill children are forced into a situation where there's no adults and they have to create a government and it (laughs) could or could, it could or could not work out. Like, (laughs) Um, but I, I'm interested to see where they'll take, season two if they get a season two um i can't remember if they said they're getting a season two or not but definitely the ending definitely left things jilted because everything we thought was going on could possibly not be going on one of those kind of endings so interesting um is is catherine newton on that show who catherine newton am i thinking of the wrong thing um, uh, I believe so. Sorry, yes. I'm terrible with actor names. She, I was looking she, at she's on Supernatural, but like now she's on this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. She was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jimmy. Claire. No. Jimmy Novak's daughter. Yeah, Claire Novak. There you go. Claire Novak. Yes, Claire. She's kind of the right name. She's kind of <laughs> hit it big. Like she's uh, she's been on Detective Pikachu and Big Little Lies. Um, no, she's actually like the one of the main girls on the show. Like it's kind of cool. Like I love it. She's really badass. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting concept. Like there's these, it's these pretentiously posh children that have never had to really work a day in their lives are suddenly forced to grow their own food and make decisions and do chores and like run a government together and like they don't really know how some of them do, but some of the, most of them don't. And like the whole tensions that rise from up from that, because they don't like being bossed around by somebody. Yeah. Um, and 
one of, and then at one point they find out that one of the guys that's, because they can't escape this place. Like, this place they get sent to has no exit. Like, they try going out of quote-unquote town, and there's, like, forests surrounding them. It, like, never ends. Like, it's, like, they're basically closed off, and so, like, they can't escape. And at some point they find out that there's somebody in the in the town that is a diagnosed um, psychopath or sociopath. I forget which one. Um, but, like, basically they're, like, holy shit, we're, like, stuck in the town with a guy who could kill us. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really good. It's a really good, well-done concept, I think. Um, Netflix is really kind of hitting it out of the park with their shows lately. Um, I, oh, uh, a while back when they released it, Russian Doll, I watched that and reviewed it for Telltale, and they just recently announced that it's, getting a second season um soon and i'm i'm so stoked about that because it's gonna be so good (laughs) (laughs) um yeah that's awesome no i uh i society was on my radar because of katherine newton because of her work on supernatural i had i thought of her as i recognize that she's a really good actress Right. So, um, and since then, I've seen her in Blockers and Detective Pikachu and Big Little Lies. And I just, you know, I'm kind of shocked that they didn't go through with Wayward Sisters just because um, that. She's kind uh, of on the radar right now. Yeah, because they could lock down Catherine Newton for six or seven seasons and right. she's going to be big. Um, right. That's I mean, who knows? Not, maybe they'll maybe they'll come back to it now that they realize that she's a recognizable star for people. The, there's um, going to have to be there's going to be a hole in their schedule um, when they get to the end of the next year and they don't have Arrow or Supernatural or iZombie. Uh, they're going to be. They're going to have a lot of holes in their schedule. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, who knows? But, but actually, my reason for starting to watch the Society was actually Sean Birdie. Um, who plays a deaf character. I mean, he's deaf in real life, obviously. Um, but he, I f- fell in love with him on Switched at Birth. Um, and he announced on his social media, you know, a while back that he was doing this show. And I was like, huh, interesting. And then they, he announced when it was released. And I was like, oh, I should watch this. And it's actually really good. Because I was like, he actually does some speaking in it, which he doesn't do very often because he is deaf and he loves obviously speaking ASL, um, but he does some actual like verbal speaking and it's interesting to hear that, but also to see the cast interact with him and sign with him and some of the behind the scenes stuff talked about how he was teaching them all ASL. And I was like, I like when they do that, when they actually integrate that into the story. Like it's not just, Oh, well, yeah, he's deaf, but we don't really talk to him. (laughs) <laughs> right. Um, but he, uh, yeah, so he was my reason for watching. And then I realized that Catherine Newton was, on. I was like, Oh, it's Claire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so that sounds, it uh, sounds good. Sounds great. Actually. I'm, I'm excited. I, I think you'd be into it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely, it's already on my radar. So I'm definitely going to have to check that out. Um, I have been spending most of my time, uh, catching up on the Marvel Netflix series. Uh-huh. So I had not seen any of the second, like anything beyond 
the defenders until about three or four months ago. Mm-hmm. That's when I watched um, Luke Cage season two was just a few months ago. And then I watched Iron Fist season two, and then I just finished Daredevil season three. Um, and it's, it's been easier to swallow now that they've all been canceled because right. it just fe- it felt like a lot before. And I just finished Daredevil season three. And the interesting thing about that the reason I bring it up is just because uh, season two of Luke Cage and season two of Iron Fist were okay, but they were kind of a slog to get through. Right. Uh, but which is how I felt about season two of Daredevil, to be honest. Right. Um, and yes. I think season two of Daredevil was kind of like that too. Um, but season three of Daredevil was fantastic. That like, was so good. I absolutely could not get enough. I was, uh, I mean, it, it was such a chore to watch Luke Cage and Iron Fist before that, that I was surprised at myself going, Oh, I need to watch more Daredevil because it was just like, Oh, I guess I don't have anything to watch or Netflix is queued up and I'm holding the baby. So I can't switch to the cake. Right. So I'm going to watch iron fist, you know? Um, right. so I, I watched daredevil and the key to it, I think is that they brought back Wilson Fisk. Oh and yeah. Like Vincent D'Onofrio's the best thing fantastic. about that show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I, to be honest of the Marvel Netflix series, I've only actually watched all of daredevil and then, like, I tried to watch Jessica Jones, but, like, it got to be a bit too much. So I was like, I can't. Yeah. I can't do this. As much as I love David Tennant, I was like, I can't do this. And he's um, so good. <laughs> he's so He's a very good villain in that. I will give him that. But, like, yeah. I just, I couldn't. There was some other stuff that I was just like, I can't. I can understand how it, would, how it would be triggering. Yeah. So I, but I, and I, Luke Cage is on my list to watch. Um, because of um theo rossi in i want to say is that second season is that the second season he's in both actually oh he's in both he's in both whatever but theo rossi is one of my favorite actors like i love him um but i've yet to get around to watching luke cage because i was at first like you said it seemed like a lot of undertaking and now i know it's ended i was like all right i can actually watch it this summer like i'll spend time and watch it yeah so um you know just in case anybody's thinking about tackling those um luke cage and iron fist kind of have some some crossover in season two which is fun Mm -hmm. um but mostly it's just like oh get on with it um (laughs) and then daredevil season three is excellent and i I do think it's all easier to swallow now that you know it's over Um, yeah but that's kind of my that's what's been on my infinite playlist because as soon as i get done producing this play i'm gonna be sitting down and watching punisher and jessica jones season three and then i'm gonna have it out of my life forever Uh, (laughs) serious problem (laughs) um people know the episode that's released it hasn't been released yet but it'll be released before this one um (laughs) it's gonna touch on my like problem with being a serial completist (laughs) <laughs> i'm just now able to like to learn how to quit watching shows before they're over um because I, I have the same problem i i would watch um and in this other podcast i mentioned how i watched sleepy hollow and that's one of the only ones that i've ever like quit in the middle 
uh, I quit in the middle of season three. And then I was like, well, if they cancel it after season three, I'll finish it. But if they renew it, I'm done. And then they renewed it for season four. And then I was like, nope, done. Never went back. I'm the same way. Like I trudge through shows that I don't like because I'm like, I have to watch the end. I have to see, I have to know what ends how you know? Right. But the only one I've quit midway through is because it just, I feel like it's never going to end. Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> I was like, I'm done. Um, yeah. I don't even remember when I actually stopped watching. I think it was around the time that they killed Derek Shepard. Okay. Um, because I do remember watching him die, but like I don't remember any episodes around it. So maybe I just watched his death episode and like didn't watch it. Right. It's just, ugh. I'm just I like, you it. keep killing characters and you like introduce a certain concept that I'm like, oh, that could be really good if done properly. And then you drop the ball on it. And it's like, all right, never mind. Yeah. I have never seen an episode of Grey's Anatomy and I knew when Derek Shepard died. So, um, (laughs) like, that's... Listen, you're not missing much. Trust me. Like, if you want to watch a medical drama, go watch ER. Like, sorry, but that's going to be so much better. (laughs) Right. That was, that one's on my list. I I don't, um, Shonda and I don't really see eye to eye. Uh, (laughs) Honestly, the only show I'm still watching of hers is How to Get Away with Murder and it's because of Viola Davis. That's fair, but uh, I've I've just never none of her shows have I've tried them and they just don't appeal to me. Um, I'm definitely not her target demographic. Like I'm a 30 year old white male, straight, married. <laughs> like it does not it is she is not marketing her shows to me. Uh, no, she's not. <laughs> but still, and I, and I mean with good reason. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yep. Uh, fair enough. Okay, so wrapping up the Infinite Playlist segment, uh, you can watch The Society and uh, Russian Doll and the Marvel Netflix shows uh, on Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, tell us what you think. Tweet the hashtag MixInfinitePlaylist or tweet at us and let's talk about them. So... Moving on to our final segment. Uh, this is a new segment. This is the first time I've done this one. And it's called First Time Viewing, where either the guest or myself has uh, never seen a movie or a show and we watch it for the first time. And so, actually, this time, neither Mary or I had seen the movie Alien. And I just bought a Blu ray set over Christmas of the first four Alien movies. So, um, we watched Alien, and so, Mary, what do you think? Well, to be honest, I'm actually quite surprised I haven't seen this movie yet because I love Sigourney Weaver like so much. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm like, how have I not seen her most iconic role? Like, what is wrong with me? Right. Um, to be honest, it was only on my list because I like her so much. Um, it's not really a genre type that I normally would watch. Like, I'll watch sci-fi and I'll watch horror-type shows separately, but not mixing them together. Mm -hmm. Um, But this was actually really pretty good. I actually kind of liked it. Um, I jumped at all the right places, I feel. Like, you know what I mean? Like, considering it was from, what, 1980, 1979, something like that? Like, it's been 40 years since this movie came out. Like, yeah, what? (laughs) I know. Well, that's, that's why Sigourney Weaver looks so young. And 
<laughs> half the main cast is dead. Um, it's and true. by half, I mean both John Hurt and Harry Dean Stanton are dead. Ah, oh, John Hurt. But, you know, and, and I had kind of forgotten, like, you know, I've read about these iconic movie moments. And when John Hurt passed a few years ago, a lot there was a lot of talk about Alien and the iconic scene where the alien pops out of the guy's stomach. Um, and so I just hadn't realized that that was John Hurt. I realized that John Hurt was an alien. Um, so that was kind of my, I was kind of bewildered by it at first going, Oh, Hey, that's Bilbo Baggins. Oh, Hey, that's Mr. Ollivander. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hey, that's Sigourney Weaver. Um, oh, hey, that's Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> but yeah, I think that, um, what I think was cool is that it's not overly sci-fi or overly horror. It's more of like a, a thriller. So it's just yeah. like the sci-fi is very plain and matter of fact. And yeah. it's more about this really dangerous thing got loose in our spaceship. Um, and, you know, it could, it could easily be um, a lockdown office building and have the same kind of effect, but it's an alien because they're in space. Right. So they're not like, they don't get into the mythology of how this Android ended up as their science officer. Or, That's okay. That, that aspect of the story, like I was so shocked that like when that <laughs> happened, I was like, wait, he's an Android. What? <laughs> right. What? He's not human. What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, and it's just like, it totally caught me off guard. Cause they just like, all of a sudden he's like, yeah, that's for me. And then they just like cut his head off and he's still like kicking. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when, when he first showed up in that scene and he was acting all weird and he had the white stuff coming out of him, I was like, what the frick is going on? I was like, does he have an alien in him? Like, that's literally what I was thinking. I was like, does he have an alien in him? I thought maybe he was an alien. (laughs) Or, or yeah, like, or the, (laughs) but it, oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's, it's got all these really cool, twists and turns and it's just not you know um other things in that in those genres or occupying multiple genres can kind of beat you over the head with their mythology or their their thriller stuff really i mean they can do a lot more of like you're seeing this in the theater so i want to make you jump um (laughs) and that's it's not what it's about really it's just about that that tension and keeping you keeping your interest sustained and telling a story and i think all of that's just really well executed you know it's it doesn't um it's unassuming but you still can get the point pretty easily uh the characters are good the story is good and i I can see why it's a classic and i just never seen it before also can i I, I want to focus on the thing that like really like blew my mind and I loved it and absolutely makes me want to see it again is they start off with you could tell from the beginning like Ripley was going to be an important character like mm-hmm. because of the way she stood up to the the male officer counterparts in her on her ship you know with her and I was just like okay this is kind of cool for 1979 like this is a really cool story like yeah showing her like they're undermining her and she's just like fuck you bastards i'm just gonna go do my own thing like i'm gonna i'm going to end up surviving all of you assholes because i actually know what i'm doing right (laughs) and i'm trying to be smart about it Mm -hmm. um and i love that she ended up being the final character still alive because i was like this is a great female role model 
and it's not an over-sexualized situation. It's not a, um, I'm got where I am because the guys got me there. Like, no, she got there because she pushed her way through right. and survived on this crazy adventure of a ship. Um, <laughs> and yeah. I don't know. I just, I love that. And I love that she was such a strong female in, in a time, well, in a year that it would seem like that wasn't really the highlight of storytelling back then. Um, so yeah, that's the thing that really captured my attention was Ripley and her story and her journey. Yeah. Uh, so that was one of the things that I noticed is just that um, I like stories like this because they're inherently feminist, but they're not, uh, they don't beat you over the head with it. Right. They're not obviously feminist. Right. So there's, there's, that's, it's really what I liked about Captain Marvel, to be honest with you, is that I didn't think lots of people said that it was overtly feminist, but I didn't think that it, that was the case. Um, right. So <laughs> what, what I really liked about it is just that there's, you know, there's, um, there are ways, ways people do politics in movies and films now. It's just like, you know, it beats you over the head with the feminist agenda. And then there's movies like this where it's just like, she just is, she's a right. strong woman. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't go out of its way to make the men look stupid or anything like that. It's just, she belongs here. She's smart. She stands up for herself. She survives. And right. I really, I really liked that. And I, and I was really shocked that it came out in 1979 and was successful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Especially because most of the people that talk about it are males, like yeah. not to be like sexist or anything, but like a lot of people that really love alien are white men. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, um, it's, I mean, it's, it's just, I mean, it's a statement because honestly, like when I was in high school, a, a lot of, the guys I hung out with talked about it and I was like, what? And I was like, that sounds stupid. And like, I didn't want to watch it, but like, I wished I had back then because maybe, I don't know, maybe I would have been more confident in myself. I don't know. But, um, you know, well, it's not but, the first movie you think of when you think of an empowering feminist story, but no. it is. I it mean, definitely why, is. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you know, people should start publishing lists of most feminist movies and put Alien up there because it really is. I mean, at least from from my perspective as a as a pragmatic feminist, mm -hmm. uh, I think that it what it was feminist. So, I listen. I totally agree with you. I'm the same way. Like, I think it was a very feminist film, but like not to the point where it's shoving it in your face um they i it's feminist in the way that feminism should be that exactly. we're presenting women as they are not as these like go out and punch somebody in the face and be like i'm a woman and i'm gonna like beat you up like because i'm strong <laughs> and whatever no she's just she knew what she was doing she had a brain in her head and she was on that ship because of her skills right. and she used those skills to survive um and yeah, I just, I love that. I absolutely loved it. 
yeah and you know she survives and that means she's in the sequel and that makes me want to watch the sequel yeah. um, and and i'm a sigourney weaver fan anyway because i'm very much uh original ghostbusters is one of my top three favorite movies of all time um and you know i think even today she was really good in the defenders just a couple of years ago and mm-hmm. she um Galaxy Quest is one of my favorite movies of all time. Too. Oh my god, she's so good in that. <laughs> I know, and that's that's um, it's totally different, but also a really feminist role. Um, another, I mean, it's completely, it's a totally different kind of role. But my absolute favorite role that she did was um, in the movie Prayers for Bobby, where she played an ultra religious mom whose gay son kills himself. And she has to make amends with the fact that her words to him are what caused him to kill himself. Wow. And so she has, like, it's a very emotional film. And, like, she goes on this emotional journey. And I freaking, I love it because she really showcases her skills. Like, Sigourney Weaver is so good at making you feel things. Yeah. And that's definitely one of her best, like, dramatic roles, I think. Absolutely. Um, Uh, I was also going to add that she's in Holes. Um, oh yeah holes how can we forget about holes uh in terms of movies that have influenced my life uh ghostbusters galaxy quest and holes but the uh you you just got dark on me a little too fast there (laughs) sorry about that no but like that 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 movie influenced my life so um yeah um in my own lgbt journey but um and a similar sort of similar situation with my own mom but um anyways um way too dark we're not going there um but that one holes and galaxy quest definitely like and now apparently i'm adding alien because alien god sigourney's such a badass in that movie yeah well uh, not many there's not a ton of films like that where i'm like okay they're making a sequel i really want to go see it but it's like i finished watching alien and i was like i immediately wanted to watch the next alien because yep. I know she's in it. And I was just like, I want to see what's next here. I want to see what they do with it next. And, uh, you know, what can I say? I mean, I guess that's probably the mark of a great movie. It's just that you want to go see the when sequel, they do a yeah. sequel, you're like, yes. Um, <laughs> instead yes, of like, there's more to this story. Well, because the way they end it, you're like, all right, does she survive? What's going to happen to her? And like, then you find out there's a sequel and that she's in it. You're like, yes she continues <laughs> like, yeah. she gets... now one of the like very minor details of the movie but like i don't know the cat yeah. why is there a cat on their spaceship i have no idea <laughs> that's um... one of the things that slightly bothered me i was like why did you bring your cat in space <laughs> like what's going on you people but it, all, it seemed like pretty like once they saw it they were like oh yeah it's the cat like nobody seemed bothered by it so, no so it clearly probably belonged to one of them in whatever world or whatever created, but yeah in whatever world they've created it's the norm to have your cat come on trips with you like this apparently um and i just what i want to know what i really want to know is if the cat was in cryo sleep like the rest of them oh yeah because it's like if it was my cat you know i would have you know, he would have died while I was in cryosleep, right? <laughs> if right. he wasn't. So 
I would imagine he probably was put in cryo sleep. Yeah, well, it's it implies that he goes into cryo sleep with Sigourney Weaver at the end. So right. I assume that he probably was to begin with too. But like when they all pop up out of cryo sleep, you don't see him come up. Anyway, I was confused. Um, well, and the other thing <laughs> was the cat. The other thing with the cat was like I was sure at one point that the alien did something to the cat because I'm like, oh yeah. Is there going to be something? Because, like, when they were kept trying to find the cat, I was like, the cat's going to, like, jump out and be, like, an alien again, like, an alien or something. And I'm like, I'm not here for that. Okay, let's not do that. I'm glad they didn't do that. But I was, like, kind of expecting it to happen. Maybe because of that's how shows go these days, movies go these days. Like, they do the ridiculous, obnoxious stuff. And I'm like, maybe that's why I'm expecting it. Um, <clears throat> but, Yeah. And dude, when I thought she was free, and then that alien popped up in the little oh gosh, when the alien thing, the I was shuttle. like, "Are you freaking yeah. kidding me? Is she ever oh. gonna get away?" <laughs> yeah. Well, then she like she gets him out the door, and he still is like, "Nope, I'm not sucked away. I'm coming back toward the door of the ship." It's like, good lord, what do you do? Will this thing ever die? And then he like flips over into the into the duct, and then so then she has to like turn the rockets on full blast just to get rid of him. Oh my gosh. But he's not dead, obviously, because he comes back. Right. Oh, my gosh. Still, it's just like, just to get away from him, all of that effort. Um, I know. I was just like, oh, my God. It was, it was, it was definitely a really, really well executed and well told story. Absolutely. So, um, I highly recommend Alien. If you see a blu-ray collection of alien films for ten dollars or less at walmart on black friday pick one up like i did um, <laughs> or go to your local library and just check it out like i did yeah that's true you could support your local library but i didn't do that uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's fine um, our local library also has all the sequels so i'm going to be going back to get the sequels. yeah and see i purchased the quadrilogy so i have to do nothing to get to watch the next one oh, um, aren't you special <laughs> So, uh, that about wraps it up. Mary, thanks for coming on. Of course. It's always a pleasure. So, uh, to wrap up, uh, you can follow, I still don't have a podcast Twitter set up yet. I'm a little busy, but, uh, I'm hoping that's one of my summer projects is to get the site and the Twitter account set up for the podcast specifically. But in the meantime, you can tweet at me at Nikki A. Hogan. Uh, you can use the hashtag Nick's Infinite Playlist, which I've pretty well commandeered at this point. So if you go and click on it, it's all stuff about this podcast. So uh, reach out to us that way. Um, check out our stuff on Telltale TV. Uh, what are you reviewing this summer, Mary? Um, I'm going to be reviewing Preacher in August. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I like Dominic Cooper and... <laughs> one of those weird shows that actually makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah. And I actually kind of like it. So that's great. We'll see how this season goes. Cause I'm not, I'm, I, I feel like nothing can top last season because last season was so good, but um, we'll see. Yeah. So uh, check out Mary's reviews of preacher when it comes back on. Uh, I'm in the middle of reviewing agents of shield and fear the walking dead. So also check those out. Uh, both of us have shows on AMC. That's cool. Um, and I'm also going to be, um, throughout the summer, since Preacher doesn't come back to August, I'm going to be doing um, little lists of character 
things and stuff like that. So just keep a lookout for that on Dorothy NYC 89. Awesome. Thanks again, Mary, for coming on. No problem. And Thank this God. has been Nick's infinite playlist. Good night, everybody.